0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
1: Hello and welcome along to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. We are live on Facebook and YouTube this afternoon as we celebrate a simply stunning result and performance for the Reds against Manchester United. Liverpool 7-0 winners at Anfield on Sunday. I still can't quite believe that it happened, but myself, Matt Addison, Paul Gorse, Theo Squires and Kiefer McDonald all saw it unfold in front of our very eyes. As we are live, make sure you do get your comments in as we go along. We'll try and get a few of those on screen. If you're listening back later on, I'm sure you'll savour it just as much as we will now. And course, Theo, I'll come to you first on this one. It's one of those matches that you don't quite know where to start with, to be honest. It's Almost impossible to try and sum up what happened at Anfield. But if you want to do your best, it's one of those that was fairly believable.
2: Yeah, certainly second half. Um, when Liverpool just, you know, four, five, six and then seven, it was just like, is this really happening? It was just so weird to take in. And one of those games where, from kind of a journalist's perspective, is you haven't really got anything written uh, heading into the final 10 minutes, because you don't, you know, you think well, Liverpool might score another two, another three. Uh I mean, Obviously, you know Liverpool are going to be winning, and that's going to be the kind of theme of, of your piece, but it was just kind of, this is just historic what we're watching happen in front of us here. One of the big, well, the biggest ever win over Manchester United. One of the uh, greatest days that pretty much everyone in, in the ground will have ever seen. So it was almost just a case of just, watch, just sitting back and watching it and savouring it, and then afterwards, trying to gather your thoughts and Try and actually reflect on it in some sort of fairly colourful way. It was was just so surreal. I don't know what you thought, Theo, but um, when Nunes made a five, that was the one for me when I thought how Liverpool scored five again against United. they have gone one better than the 4-0 win in April, and there was still, what, 20 20 minutes left, something like that. Um, Just a, a day for the ages that anyone who was privileged to be there will talk about forever, I guess. And every time that United come to Anfield, now that's going to be the, the highlight footage, isn't it? The reel that's going to be you know rolled off. Liverpool just plundering goal after goal, past David De Gea. Uh, You've know, scored 11 times past him in the last two visits to Anfield. And for all the talk of United being this kind of reju- rejuvenated club, um, Liverpool, you know, for all the talk of them, having a horrendous season, they're only seven points behind them now, aren't they? And, and you're thinking, well, can Liverpool even catch them? It's uh, just the way the last few weeks have kind of worked out from Liverpool's perspective. They've taken, what is it now, f- th- 13 points from the last 15 available and talk of top four, it gathers momentum and all that. But I think it, it probably does the, the performance and the results a little bit of a disservice if you kind of frame it within the what does it mean for the top four? Because it was just a one off result that we may never see again in our lifetime. So let's just talk about how good and how great that was, how good the players were, how, you know, the fans were just an absolutely historic day, and uh, we thought the five 0 at Old Trafford last season was memorable, but this was uh, this was on a new level for me, and just uh, you know incredible. I think Goldsley hit the nail on in the head
0: on the head when he did his verdict, and he was saying, um, you think of Liverpool vintage performance of yesteryear, the ones that we grow up on hearing about, the Nottingham Forest five 0 the Tottenham Hotspur seven 0 like we're all younger Liverpool fans, the Premier League win was the first time we'd seen them lift the the title. But for the likes of uh, Rich Garnett, Doyle, former colleague Dan Kay, they always go on about the the Tottenham games, the Forest games. These are the ones they grew up in. And those that it has to be a special league game for you to remember it really when you think of that vintage Liverpool era from the 70s and 80s. You remember the European games more than those. So um this is that league game that will stand out for an entire generation of Liverpool fans. Like they've had a few that have been, I suppose, close to it, like the 4-1 at Old Trafford and these like couple of uh, United wins over the past year or so. But you almost take it for granted because it's at a time when um, Liverpool have been going, winning all these trophies now and then that 4-1, it's like, oh, they didn't win the league. So it wasn't really that important. But given the season they've just had where they're not at their best and they can still go and put in a performance like that against their bitter rivals and just make a mockery of them, it makes it one of those games that we will always remember. And it just makes the 4-0 and the 5-0 from last year look that little bit smaller. Like, seven is a new blow completely, isn't it? It seems quite surreal when you look at this season. Liverpool have won games 7-1, 7-0, 9-0. And the goal difference, I know 7-1 was in Europe, and the goal difference is still quite low. Uh, They've been really leaky defensively. Alisson's now got the same number of clean sheets as De Gea, and he's in contention for the Golden Glove um it is quite a surreal season for liverpool and i suppose it's quite fitting it's a surreal result for us to reflect on here uh it wasn't as shocking for me as the 5-0 because i think like you're all giddy when that 5-0 is happening because you're not expecting it at all but then when Liverpool get the first two or three you think oh it's just another one of these days and it's like how far can they push it but yeah that, that second half was something else and i think it showed liverpool how good they can be like the midfield had its energy back the defense was so solid and this new front three is just clicking superbly at the moment. Like They've started four games together in these specific roles. So I'm not including the games where Nunes is a striker and Gakpo's on the left. They've got four goals each across those. With Salah getting four assists and uh, Nunes getting assists as well. It's just what you want to see. It's what we have wanted to see from them all season long. And I suppose it's better late than never with two months of the season remaining. But yeah, it's one we we'll, we'll probably need to do an hour, an hour and a half talking about this. We're not going to go on for that long in the Facebook Live. But yeah, I'll, I'll let Kiefer have a go now because we're all going to be just going on about this forever.
1: Yeah, very much feels like one of those that we could just talk and talk and talk, doesn't it, Kiefer? I mean, Eric Ten Hag spoke before the match about the pitch being the same size, the ball still has air in it and all the rest of it. But when it came to it, United just couldn't cope with the intensity and Liverpool were, were just completely relentless. Yeah, it's absolutely that. And it's quite funny, actually, because
3: my mum texted me after the game. She she actually borrowed my Sky login to watch it, and she texted me after the game, and she was like, you know, she said she said to me, she's been to Anfield a couple of times kind of thing, and she was like, what is it about Anfield? Like, you know, why do so many great managers kind of come? And I sent her the quote of Ten Hag that kind of did the rounds uh, after his press conference last week, and she was like, well, surely he wasn't, you know, wasn't that silly to believe that Anfield would just be, you know, like another another league game kind of thing. But I said to my mum, you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't, because if he comes out swinging and says... You know we know what it's going to be like and you know we're going to have to combat it and stuff like that well it kind of sends the wrong message to his players but i suppose he can only really play it down can't he but i suppose obviously no one was expecting that kind of capitulation from from united yesterday i mean i've seen mean, in, in the last couple of months well, especially since the world cup they've kind of been on the ascendancy and you know as we said on friday actually I think Gorsi said it, he wasn't, you know, completely convinced by by United. And I think you mentioned, Matt, some of the runs they've had in some of the cup competitions as well. But at the end of the day, you can only beat what's what's in front of you And that's, you know, something Liverpool did in the Cups last year. And obviously, you get kind of rewarded for it. But, I mean, for kind of all the parallels, and I've seen people say, you know, in, in, in with Liverpool struggling, and, you know, I think I said it on Friday as well, that it shows that you're never too far away. But this was like, you know, as bad as Liverpool have been at times this season, I'd, I'd say the you know, there's never a, a right way to lose games like this. But the one thing you could never question about, you know, everyone on the pitch is that they've always given their all. And I think the way United, again, there's no perfect way to lose a game like that. But I think the way United lost lost yesterday was just it just showed the chalk and cheese between them and, and kind of the characters they had on the pitch. You know, Fernandez and and his antics and the way he kind of conducted himself and carried himself as a captain. And and you think, can you imagine if that was, you know, if if, if that had happened to Old Trafford? I know, I know, Liverpool lost. There earlier in the season and and you know that there was some questionable defending and but you look at when sancho scored that goal and milner and, and van dyke kind of you know kind of rally each other and then there was a few words exchanged then and and obviously a lot was made of that at the time in terms of you know was a friction and that but that's kind of the reaction you'd want to see you know going down to to as fierce as your bitter rivals you know you can see the goal you, you want people dragging each other and pulling each other and, and kind of calling out each other on the pitch but i mean yesterday for each goal that you know I was in the cup and and obviously you know watching the hair pick the ball out of the next six times in the second half and there was just no one you know no one there to kind of grab a hold of anyone and say like lads you know this is three or four nil and I think with that five nil the other year I think when Salah obviously gets his hat trick Liverpool were you know took their foot off the gas and it could have easily been seven or eight that day I think and and I think that five nil was actually you know as crazy as it sounds I think that kind of did United uh, it was a kind of compliment to United in a sense and I think there's loads of people in, in the away on that day thinking oh, you know, we'll never get a better opportunity to put six seven eight past them but yesterday they were just it was just relentless it, it reminded me of that game uh, against city in europe in in, in the kiev run and, and you know just the kind of the the barrage of goals in the in you know in quick kind of bursts and they just had no answers and i don't think i don't think even the players really you know they were just kind of laughing i mean i was just stood there laughing i mean i'm glad i didn't have to write something like gorsi a thousand words you know just after the whistle um but I mean what what can you what can you say in a situation like that I mean the players just it just felt like everything I think from the, the the second goal to the fourth goal I think it was four attacks four goals kind of thing everything kind of just fell into that path and you know everything they tried just went in it was just it was just one of those moments it was so historic and it'll, as Dio says it will certainly be one of those where in you know in years years to come you know you remember where you are who you watched it with what you did and all that kind of thing. Like, as he says, we've, you know, we've had the European ones that have kind of gone up there. We've been to Milan and St Etienne. We've had those in recent years. But in terms of like a real, you know, highlight reel of Premier League games, we've maybe missed that. Obviously, you think of the United one in, in January 2020, but, and, you know, there's been, there's been victories over City here and there. But in terms of like a real statement, you know, Premier League or, or League victory kind of thing, that is going to be the benchmark now of, you know, the all-time great Liverpool performances. And, you know, it was just a, a pleasure to be able to witness it. And, you know, after everything that's gone on this season, you know, it's no more than, than these players deserve after you know some questions at times rightly have been asked of them. But I mean, that's you know exactly so certainly one way to respond to to critics, isn't it?
0: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
1: Yeah, it was just a, a perfect performance all the way across the pitch course. He will come to a number of players across the, the course of the next sort of half an hour or so. But it's probably right that we start with Mohamed Salah. Obviously, more broken records for him, broken records for Liverpool. An incredible performance from him. Obviously, the, the turn for Lissandra Martinez on its own has, has done the rounds on Twitter and, and social media. The goals, the, the quality of his performance. That was absolutely peak Salah once again.
2: Yeah, you you sound like a broken record talking about the records that he's broken. And I've seen a tweet, I think it might have been the Anfield Rap saying, you know, has Mohammed Salah broken the records for the amount of records that he's broken while he's been in Liverpool, which I thought was, was good. Yeah, um, it, it was quite fitting, wasn't it, that Robbie Fowler was there at the game yesterday watching on, uh, no doubt full of admiration for seeing his record finally overtaken. Um, what I, I always thought was interesting was Salah... Uh, I don't know when he said it, maybe quite recently that when he joined Liverpool that was in his head straight away he wanted to be Liverpool's all-time leading scorer in, in the Premier League and talk about you know setting the goals high you know he hasn't come in at all I'll, I'll just start trying to settle my feet and try and get a good few months under my belt and see how it goes he was targeting that from day one and it's testament to his um, to, to everything about him really his dedication to um, to his craft you know he. he he does everything right after pitch, you know, he has those kind of um recovery sessions after games, make sure that he eats right, he, he's sleeping enough and just an utter pro, um just totally devoted to it all. And you know, these are the results that he's getting. And, and I think it was well, I know for a fact it was one of the one of the issues or rather it was a kind of non-issue for Liverpool giving him the new contract, despite the fact that he just turned thirty was the fact that they were convinced that you know he looks after himself so well that he can play into these you know 34 35 36 the game's kind of changing in terms of what elite players are able to do longer into the career and a lot of that is down to of sports science and, and the way that they're looking after themselves more than, than ever before and you're seeing Lionel Messi you know kind of you know the talisman for Argentina going to win the world Cup he, I think he's 35 in, in May. Cristiano Ronaldo was, was still scoring Premier League goals last season, wasn't he? And and even this season, he's what thirty eight, coming up to thirty nine. Zlatan Ibrahimovic is still still there at AC Milan at the age of forty. Um, so you you know these types of players have proven that you can be, you can still be a superstar of the game well into your thirties. And and Mohamed Salah is definitely going to be in that bracket. I'm, I'm convinced he's going to be thirty one in June going to finish liverpool's top scorer again this season he's got 22 now as he for the season in all competitions um no doubt he will have that 30 targets in his mind whether he can get it or not we'll see but yeah you can't speak in highly enough of, of what he's done to the football at the football club and you know when he leaves I, I think when he leaves will be when you really appreciate what he's done you know while it's happening around you you're just kind of talking all the plaudits and all the praise, but I think it'll only be when he's left that he can look back. I think that fellow was special and one of the greatest that you know we've ever seen. So, um, yeah, fair play to him because for his dedication, I think he deserves those rewards. And you know, he's he's an absolute legend. Well, look at it this
0: way: if he gets the thirty-goal barrier this year, he overtakes Robbie Fowler in the all-time charts, and he goes level with Stephen Gerrard on one hundred and eighty-six. Um, that puts him joint fifth. If he has another thirty-goal season next year. He, he potentially overtakes Billy Liddell on two two eight as Liverpool's fourth all-time leading goalscorer. And then that contract expires in, what, 2025? George Gordon Hodgson's on two four one in third. He could realistically be, say so he gets an extension as well, but Liverpool's third all-time leading goalscorer by the time he makes it. Was it a day at cool. uh, Anfield? if you just saying a player, he's to go to his mid-30s, or never mind if he goes for Ronaldo or Messi or as that
1: It feels very much like he's got a, a massive role to, to play Kiefer alongside the, the two players next to him. We'll come back to, to Darwin Nunez in a second as well. But Cody Gakpo, it, it felt to me like a real breakout performance from him. Obviously, a couple of days after we learned that Roberto Firmino was moving on in the summer, it just felt like perfect timing, didn't it? For, for Cody Gakpo to, to step up and put in what was an incredibly Roberto Firmino-type performance with a couple of goals there as well. Yeah, it
3: was, it was so fitting, wasn't it? That that Firmino announcement you know came... I say late last week and and then Gakpo. you know if you're thinking of a game especially you know with all the kind of transfer rumors that he's had himself with United over the past you know 12 months or so and, and then obviously you throw Firmino's future into that and the performance from the pair of them was you know was absolutely amazing but you know I think Gakpo is, is such a difficult role and again not that my mum's any insight, but she, she's she has she really likes Firmino she, she's always had a soft spot for him so when when I when I when I told her that she, um that he was leaving uh she was oh, there'll never be another Firmino like that. And, and that is true to an extent, you know, no matter how good, you know, the next player who comes through the door is or how, how good Cody Gakpo is, in terms of that skill set and that kind of uniqueness that Firmino has brought to Liverpool over the past eight years, there'll never be someone like that. And I think obviously Liverpool will realise that in, in due course, but, you know, what Gakpo's doing is obviously, you know, is, is probably as close as, as you can, can get to, you know, Firmino in, in, in the past couple of weeks. And, you know, for a difficult start, I think, you know, that, when he joined obviously Liverpool quite low on confidence and it was a you know if you think of when Diaz joined and and there was all those kind of um kind of comparisons this year wasn't he if you could have the same impact and maybe kind of give Liverpool that shot in the arm but I just think there were two completely different situations and then you know you factor that into you know that he's been kind of reinvented into this kind of false nine role which he didn't play much in during his time at PSG and so if you think how much he's come on in the last you know 10-12 games it is massive and and it was I was so happy that he got both both the goals yesterday I mean the second goal was just absolutely absurd you know how he gets in from from that near angle I think a few people said it's really similar to that Coutinho goal at Old Trafford in in Europe all those years ago but yeah it was just such a complete performance and I was just actually writing something before we came on here just just how he kind of linked up with Robertson you know at times it was you know, I know it was a, a four-free three on paper, but it was you know, Nunes and Salah were almost like the two up top, and they kind of pinned Dallow and, uh, and Shaw back. And then it kind of gave Elliot and 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 Gapo that space in kind of those half spaces, you know, between the midfield and the attack, where they just both, especially Elliot in the second half, just absolutely excelled. And you know, it was such a it was a glimpse into the future, if you like, after you know, the kind of you know, the last 12 months, obviously Marne's gone, and then obviously there's been question marks over Salah at times this season, and then obviously now Firmino's gone, but the way they kind of all responded yesterday with, with two goals apiece, it kind of really said that you know as Gorsty says obviously you've got Salah on this new contract and obviously after the the kind of um <laughs> with the um with the service he's, he's given Liverpool over you know over the years obviously deserves it um but you know it is like this kind of new look front for you this kind of new era for Liverpool and then obviously you throw yoga Jota in there you know I'm sure he'll kind of end his goal drought in the coming weeks and then, obviously, you throw you know Luis Diaz in there, and then all of a sudden, you can see this kind of gradual rebuild over the forward line that's you know probably taken place over the last twenty four months or so. Is you know all of a sudden that's ticked off the, the checklist, and then you, you can move on to other areas of the squad this this summer. And you know all of a sudden, Liverpool are far closer than you know people have made out at points this season, where you know you're thinking there's a, a complete overhaul and that you know players should be dragged out of Anfield as, as such. um you know the situation you know looks looks far healthier for the Liverpool club, Clock. it really kind of gives you that. That kind of motivation that they they can go again next season and maybe maybe get back to the you know get back to the best that that we saw last year so yeah it was a complete display from Gakpo and you know and everyone else in the front line
0: the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo
1: yeah there's still plenty more to come isn't there of in terms of of all of these players when you think that Luis Diaz is a couple of weeks away from possibly coming back as well you think Diogo Jota isn't quite up to, to speed yet but he will regain that sharpness you just look at, at all of the options that Jurgen Klopp has in that attack it's it's absolutely terrifying
2: yeah it is uh, undoubtedly I, I don't think we're going to see the best of Luis Diaz this season now I think he's been out for, for too long by the time he comes back we're going to be entering the last sort of what six to eight weeks of the season so I think we might have to wait to see him next season um, similar kind of theme for Jota he's obviously missed quite a lot of football but um, generally, the long-term future is looking really bright, isn't it? um We, we spoke about Firmino on Friday's pod, and I was a little bit—I'd um I'd be a little bit dismayed if, if Firmino leaves and they—they they don't look to bring in any sort of replacement. On the one hand, at least; on the other hand, I'm thinking—you know—there's the, the, only really one Firmino, and finding a kind of adequate replacement is probably going to set you back. X amount of millions at a time when there's maybe other areas that need a rebuild. That's why I was kind of hopeful that there might be another little one-year extension to his contract. and He's accepted that he might not be playing every week, but he's still got an important part to play. But that isn't to be the case. Um, So Liverpool are going to be kind of one short in the forward options next season. Maybe the the hope is that Fabio Carvalho can can kick on. We haven't really seen too much of that in in his debut season for, for various reasons, a lot of them. Not necessarily down to him, but yeah, uh, generally Liverpool's forward options are, are exciting, aren't they? You know, you look at when when they're all clicks and it all comes together, like it did yesterday. Liverpool have got so many different facets to, to their attack. They've also got Mo Salah, who, who remains one of the absolute very best players in the world. Darwin Nunes, for me, is is slowly becoming an integral part of that front line. I think in in time he's going to become one of the one of the world class forwards. In the world, and Cody Gakpo's starting to show, you know why Liverpool were so keen to bring him in. He, he it looks like they're kind of reinventing him into a bit of a Firmino light or a, or a Firmino Mark II. Uh, and yesterday was was a sensational performance. Really, that second half, he just had the bit between his teeth, and he was absolutely on fire, wasn't he? Um, that goal that, that there, the mentioned, thirty the third one, I thought that was the pick of the bunch where he starts to move off, continues his run, and then just kind of flicks it first time. Past the hair, It was a sensational goal after Mo Salah had had sent uh, Lissandra Martinez for the Sunday Echo. It was a superb goal and Nunes' goals were were predatory, weren't they? Uh, You know, in the six-yard box headers, you know, not necessarily something he's done too much of this season. Um, But yeah, everywhere you look now across Liverpool's forward line for the long term, it looks really exciting and it's going to be uh, really interesting to watch watch it unfold. Um, Obviously, it's we're seeing the kind of rebuild, aren't we, in front of our eyes? You know, Mane's left, Firmino is on his way, and it's going to be a sad day when, you know, two thirds of that iconic forward line are no longer there. But there's enough to be excited about with the lads who've, who've come in to replace them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the the big takeaway for me, Theo, in terms of of what we saw was that it just sort of raises that excitement again for what the next Liverpool is going to look like. We know they've still got to do work in the midfield, of course, but the midfield was excellent yesterday. The rest of the team was perfect as well. It was just one of those that makes you realise, like Kiefer said before, they're not a million miles away. They do a couple of things in the summer and you can quite easily see them coming back and, and being at the very, very best again next season.
0: Yeah, it's been a strange season this year when you think of the World Cup in the middle of it. We can look at Man City and they're not quite at it compared to their previous heights. Obviously, they're at least in title contention, unlike Liverpool. And we had the doom and gloom of January and February, but most of those games were in the Cups looking back. There's been enough building blocks there with the players coming back from injury now to be positive again. And like this run three, it's clicking so well and two-thirds of it are still so young with their best years miles ahead of them. Uh, Luis Diaz, I agree with what Gorski's saying, probably not going to see the best of him this season. But then you can use that dreaded cliche, like a new sign-in for next year. And whatever they do with the midfield, we were thinking two, three new signings maybe, they could still bring that in. But now you've still got Harvey Elliott, though, who's made himself look like a midfielder again. You've got Vesetic, who's um didn't even start yesterday. Henderson and Fabinho in superb form. And it's quite nice that this game yesterday, it's against someone who, um, in Casemiro, who's been their foe a few times over the years in these Champions League finals. It's like maybe the Liverpool don't have the players quite at that level. Well, they made him look silly at times. It was um, one of the goals where Elliot intercepts it, then both of them are just pretty much right on top of Casemiro and to help get it away. I think it was for the second goal for Nunez's header from Elliot's cross. But it's like you wanted that bit more energy in the midfield. And then Canate, he's another player who's so, so young, comes back in at centre, backing him and Van Dijk, it makes Liverpool's defence look so solid. And Trent's still young, Robertson's still young, Allison's a good age for a goalkeeper, he's got his best years ahead of him still. Um, and if they're going to bring in three, four or five new signings in the summer, it's, put, it's certainly enough time there to be positive. And usually we're used to Liverpool bringing in new players and they take a little bit of time to bed in, a little time to gel, get used to Klopp's style. You think of Robertson or Fabinho. Well, these recent hitters are making an impact straight away, whether it's Nunes, Gakpo, Diaz. I know um, both Klopp and Linders have been on the record this year saying every single signing they make, they have to get it right. Well, they are getting these right. And when you think of an attacking revamp they've done over the last 12 months, Nunez, Gakpo, Diaz, all making these instant impacts. Now they're clicking in this team. Think if Julian Walker can do that with the, the front three, what's he got in store for the midfield? We'll, we'll wait and see. It'll be exciting times for Liverpool. Yeah, it certainly
1: is. It was certainly an exciting performance from Harvey Elliott Kiefer. I've got to, to mention him specifically and, and talk about him. I don't think many Liverpool fans maybe would have picked him in their team, but Jurgen Klopp certainly got that decision right. He was all over the pitch, defensively excellent, created a lot of things as well. And just a real a real landmark performance i'd say for, for him as well on the day
3: yeah absolutely i think i think i'm right i, I, I certainly didn't have him in my team i i had henderson coming back in and besetich and fabinho i think theo might have had him in his team i think um <laughs> given that one but yeah i mean you know considering the kind of outcry before the game that you know 18 year old lad wasn't starting and, and kind of it felt like all this all or the midfield hopes kind of pinned on him it kind of you know to go from that to then you know two hours later um you know, the kind of rave reviews Elliot was getting is, you know, it just shows you how fast things can change in football and, and also how short-memory people are in, in the sense of, you know, Elliot was brilliant against City in, in the 1-0 victory at Anfield earlier in the season. And I know he's obviously, you know, he's struggled at the, at the start of the year, at Brentford especially, but, you know, in the games, he, he's played kind of since then in the Cups and whatever. he's, he's looked better further forward, but... I suppose it was maybe that discipline that people were maybe worried about yesterday. And, and we talked a lot on Friday, didn't we, about that right-hand side. And, you know, if Liverpool got that right and, you know, made United play on their terms, you know, that's their, their greatest strength. And that's certainly what they did. Um, and, and Elliot was key to that. He was he was everywhere. And, I, you know, I think he started well. And I, obviously the crowd was, you know, really up for the game. And then I think probably about midway through the first half, I think he maybe lost his way a bit. But then I think coming out for the second half, well, I think the goal helped everyone and kind of just calmed a, a few nerves down. It was obviously the, the perfect time to score. And then obviously gets gets the assist doesn't he for the second one and no sorry for the third one sorry but the second one again it kind of just after half time it, it kind of you know gives Liverpool almost a free hit in a sense of you know it's it's the two worst times to concede aren't they for united and and then after that i just thought he flourished and he was he was everywhere and you know it, it's kind of what you what we've wanted to see from him and, and obviously it's been a difficult season because he has played so much i don't think you know in, in a normal season a player of his age you know will be taken in and out of the, of the limelight and you know you, you probably pick and choose his games, but he hasn't had that luxury at times this season. And then, obviously, you think about what he went through last season again with with the injury and stuff. It, it has been a difficult two years for him. Into it. he's kind of gone from one extreme of of not playing to probably playing too much. Um, and you know, he, he's obviously never going to be the guy who comes and says, you know, I need a break or I've played too much kind of thing. Um, you know, he's is, he is living his dream as a as a boyhood Liverpool fan. So um, I think that was a, the pleasing thing for him is that you know he kind of had that moment. Um, and, and he was, you know, like I say, he was everywhere. He was in the face of Bruno Fernandes and he was just a menace, both defensively. And, and as Theo said, he, you know, he was intercepting for the second or third goal, whichever one it was. Um, he gets an assist as well. Um, I think he had the, the, the most interception or the most ball recoveries, or something I read yesterday. And it, it just kind of, you know, everyone kind of, I think everyone knows what a talent he is in the final third. And, and, you know, he can offer Liverpool something different. But I think there was that other side of his game that, you know, people have you know, had reservations about in, in recent months. And I think that was the perfect, you know, no better way to send a. Kind of a message out of you know look i'm here you know this is how good i can be you know all the, all the talk has obviously been about besetich and, and rightly so but i think maybe people have forgotten what a gem Liverpool do have in, in harvey elliott and i think when you, whenever you listen to anyone at the club you know speak to him uh speak about him sorry you know whether that be players or or, or kind of you know Jurgen Klopp or clopper there's a reason they speak so highly of him you know they're not paying him lip service um and you know on a day where kind of mo salah broke his record this is someone who's kind of tried to follow in his footsteps and kind of you know pick up the kind of dedication and the small details you know maybe off the pitch and the recovery and the diet and, and and you know for that kind of all to come into play and and you know kind of deliver that performance is a testament to kind of the work that he's put in um so yeah i was i was really pleased with him and, and you know shout out to the other two lads in midfield as well henderson again i thought was maybe a bit unsettled at first There was a few you know rugby kicks wherever you want to call them drop kicks early in, in the first half where you know liverpool couldn't really get out but then after that again you know they were brilliant and, and it really helped Fabinho's cause as well. I think getting legs in and around him because uh, he you know even though he got booked quite early on he, he had another fantastic game. So yeah it was in terms of midfield again after all the kind of outcry and the kind of uh, issues that we've kind of pointed out this season it was a, a really convincing performance.
0: The Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
1: Yeah, the midfield balance looked really, really good, particularly, obviously, in that second half. But in the first half as well, I thought Liverpool were on top, despite what Gary Neville might have, have thought after the game. But uh, we've got to talk about Fabinho as well, Gosti. I think he was was really fundamental to that. I think that was probably his best game for, for months and months now, really, if we're, we're being honest. Obviously, part of that is that he's been well below par. But I just thought, I think it was the, the third goal where he snaps into a tackle with Casemiro and then plays that ball over the top. That's what you want to see from Fabinho. It's his best game since Wolves.
2: Yeah, best game since the last one. Um, yeah, continued a bit of a theme for him, didn't it, this week? He's had a really good week. Um, and Liverpool need him to, to, to show between now and the end of the season whether he's going to be part of the, the revolution or not, I guess. Um, some suggestions that he's a potentially sellable asset for Liverpool this summer. So, if he wants to stay, <clears throat> maybe he's um, he's got to pull his finger out and he's certainly been doing that lately, I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, the goal you mentioned it was at the second, was it Nunez's header where he kind of yeah. the keeps it alive?
1: Sec- second one in the second half, was it the third one, I think?
2: Um the third one, the third one was Gakpo, wasn't it? Where Gakpo plays at the Salah. And see this this how much of an incredible win it was. We was struggling to sort of remember when the goals went in. Um I think I think it was the second where he keeps it alive, he kind of wrestles with Casemiro and flicks it over to Salah and Elliot and then the cross comes in. Um, yeah, he, he, he was excellent. And, and to be fair, all the midfielders were... I had my reservations about Elliot starting the game. Uh, I think I said that in our match blog before, and I wasn't too sure whether this was the right game for him and, and I wasn't too sure in general whether central midfield is his position. At a time when Liverpool have, have generally struggled, but I thought it was his, his best game for Liverpool full stop. I thought probably before then his best game was at Tottenham, but he um, he was outstanding, Harley Elliott and so Fabinho alongside him, two completely different types of midfielders, but both really um showed what they got to offer yesterday I thought. And there was some statistic actually, uh Doyle pointed it out to me last night. I, I can't remember off the top of my head actually, but basically that midfield three of Fabinho, Henderson and, and Elliott I um, don't think they've lost the game when they've started for Liverpool this season and they seem to have scored quite a fair few goals as well. So for all the for all the questions that have, have rightly come this season with Liverpool in that area of the pitch, um this for now seems to be the, the trio that Klopp has to settle on, I guess. And and just, has done nothing wrong, but um he's a, a really solid option to have. And then maybe in a, in a couple of weeks we'll start to hear a little bit more about Thiago's developments, you know, coming back from his injury. So um I think I said it on on Friday's part. Things are just starting to come together for Liverpool at just the right time. They're now up to fifth. They're only three points behind Tottenham. They've got that game in hand. They've obviously still got a plate at them as well. So I think you're foolish now if you're if you're saying anything other than Liverpool for a top four finish. I, I really do. Um but apart from all that, you know, yesterday was just, you know, a, a, a one of a kind, you know, once in a in a lifetime result, wasn't it? Um and uh, I'm sure the Liverpool fans are drinking the bars dry. You know across the city a full time and fair play to them uh you know who can blame them after that
1: yeah i think the uh the start in the, the midfield is that though that midfield three has started five games this season they've scored 28 times in that mm. season and won all five but yeah some uh some go. incredible incredible performances all the way across the uh the pitch we're going to talk Andy Robertson next, Theo, because I thought he was arguably the man of the match. He was exceptional. The pass for the opening goal was brilliant, but pretty much everything he did was was absolutely spot on in the game. I think we we definitely have to talk about him as well. That performance definitely definitely is deserving of that.
0: Yeah, it was um, Klopp. I think covered it quite well in his uh, post match press conference because he was saying we all saw how well Costa Simigas played in midweek, but Robbo is Robo. And he, he was certainly uh, well rested after getting the Wolves game off and he came comes in and puts in a performance like that. It's one of these cases where Liverpool provide genuine competition for a player and you do get a little bit more out of them to make sure he's holding on to his place. It was superb assist for that opening goal. And you just like how he waits and he waits. He points where he wants Gakpo to make the run and it just came to perfection. He was probably unlucky not to get a goal in the game. He could probably be a little bit aggrieved that both his chances fell on his weaker right foot, but he was getting forward so well. And I think he was really benefited from the system because, as much as it was the front three of Gakpo as a false nine down the middle, middle with Nunes on the left cutting in, uh, Nunes was more central than we've seen him in recent weeks. I think they were trying to get him to target Martinez a little bit at times and then cause uh, Varane some nuisance. We know, saw Gakpo in the midfield, but that just left that left wing completely free for. Robertson to sprint up and he had so much space to do with it what he wanted. I'm not sure if anyone saw a match of the day last night, but it certainly helped that Anthony just didn't want to really run back inside his own half at all. So he had even more space with no one picking him up. You know he's one of the best crosses in the Premier League and he's one of the best attacking full in the Premier League. If you give him those space, that space and those opportunities, he's going to do this. Uh, just got to hope that the little knock he took to his ankle um, when that idiot ran on the pitch isn't going to keep him out for any length of time because when he's in form, he's one of your first names on the team sheet. I think there was, uh, was it Richard Keyes? I think Doyle covered this in his analysis. who's was saying he's past his best. He's on the decline. He's actually that little bit younger than all the rest of the players. So Robertson's just entering his peak here. Uh, he might have been out of form at times in a poor season for Liverpool, but the best is still ahead of him.
1: Yeah, he was absolutely exceptional. The whole defence didn't put a foot wrong, Kiefer, as well. I think it makes a huge difference with Ibrahim akanate there. Trent was excellent, obviously the goalkeeper behind him. We've not seen that back five too many times this season for Liverpool, but whenever they're together, you can see why that's the first choice. Yeah, exactly that. And, you know,
3: it's, it's been a difficult one for Canati, hasn't it, really? Because, you know, he's hardly had a run in the, the team this season, obviously, for, for kind of various injuries. And obviously, then the World Cup kind of broke that partnership up again. So, it's, it's been a difficult one for him, but you know, after the first season he yeah, had at Liverpool last year, I think everyone knows, or you know, certainly every, everyone kind of expects the defender that he's going to become is, is kind of you know the one that ultimately probably takes Van Dyke's place. But at the moment, obviously, those two with, with kind of Joe Gomez and, and Joel matip like massively out of form. It's you know, Van Dyke and Canati is Liverpool's strongest partnership at the moment. Um, and then obviously, Trent Alexander Arnold was was uh, was you know incredible again as both fullbacks were. I think it was that was it. Five or six nil, I can't remember, but the tackle on Rashford and it just absolutely brilliant, com- completely gets the ball. Um, and you know, kind of the i think the thing that struck me is kind of how determined they were to keep a clean sheet. Sometimes you see it when teams are you know maybe get a bit excited at five, six, seven, um, and you know they might concede a sloppy one or whatever, but you know, there was you could tell how much it meant, especially allison but you know, that 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 that, that whole back five and. And that's that's such a great mentality to have, especially as, as I said, as you kind of look at the, the mentality that was on display from United over the over the course of everything yesterday, as, as Theo says from Anthony, not even wanting to kind of engage in a battle to kind of Fernandez and his antics, to to kind of even De Gea's response every time he's picking the ball out the back of the net. But you know, you look at Liverpool, and as I say, even when things haven't been going their way this season, that kind of bel- not belief, obviously that's been trained at times, but that kind of um, I don't know that you've still you've still seen signs of that kind of endeavour and they've wanted to make things right. You know, you know things haven't you know paid off for them and, and maybe haven't come that way and stuff like that. There's, there's still kind of that like underlaying foundations that has been so key to kind of everything Jurgen Klopp's achieved over the past five, six, seven years. And and you know I thought that was you know perfectly kind of summed up in, in kind of their endeavour to keep a clean sheet. And I think Allison's what is he on now? Ten for the season, I think. I think he's is he is he? I think Pope's leading the way. I think Pope and Ramsdale is it. Um, so, you know, there's every chance he could be getting himself another another golden glove at the end of the campaign. But, you know, if, if, if Canati and Van Dyke can kind of keep themselves fit, and, and you'd hope so now after, you know, they've obviously, I know Van Dyke said last week, didn't he, um, you, you know, that he, he kind of burnt himself into the ground prior to the World Cup and he maybe wasn't at his best in the first half of the season, but he was, you know, he was brilliant yesterday. And obviously, Canati's come back from his issues and he's had two really strong performances. So you just hope now if Liverpool can really just keep those two kind of the base of the base of the team again you'd you'd be stupid to rule Liverpool out of kind of clinching that fourth spot and and maybe even higher who knows you know it'd be interesting to see kind of how united respond you know they've got a game on thursday but you know in the kind of the long term what what does this do to obviously you know 10 halves responded well hasn't he at times but you know there's every chance that Liverpool can probably catch united up and and do what they did a few seasons ago where they they kind of picked them to,
1: to third place
0: the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo
1: Yeah, the, the five clean sheets in a row, Ghosty, is is massive, isn't it? You've got to have that solid base yeah. to, to build upon and and that's when the attack comes into its own. Keep a clean sheet at one end. On this occasion, score seven, but you only need one to win.
2: Yeah, and it's no coincidence that it's happened when Van Dijk's come back into the team. Obviously, Matapagome Gomez kept that clean sheet against Everton, but with you know, with respect to, to Everton, it was just Ellis Sims up front, wasn't it, on that night? And he didn't really get too many bodies running beyond the, the lone striker that night. So um that was relatively comfortable, but Van Dyke's been been sensational for me, for me. Certainly since you know the last two or three games, um, and Canarte's return has just it's just come at the right time, hasn't it? At a time when Gomez and, and Mata, for various reasons, have really tailed off form-wise, making too many basic errors. Canarte's come back in and, and he's been fantastic, and, and I think now you do have a. I mean, last season for me, it was always a bit of a toss-up between Canarte and Mata over who's going to be the partner for Van Dyke and. If anything, I've probably just edged or leaned towards matter, but now I think you do have a really settled, kind of defined 1st choice back five for Liverpool with Trenton and, and Robertson and obviously Alisson. Uh, and I think I it might have said that on Friday as well, that if they can keep canate fit and Van Dyke and Fabinho, you know, continues on with, the, with what he's shown over the last week, that kind of defensive triangle, if you like, with Fabinho sitting in front of the, the back two, is uh, going to be so important to allow Liverpool to just build everything from that with the full-backs and, and the, the other midfielders kind of getting about the pitch. So, yeah, all, all things are positive, aren't they, at the moment? And, and you know, um, that hasn't always been the case, certainly, since the beginning of January. We've reflected on some really awful performances and results, haven't we? You know, Brentford, Wolves, Brighton a couple of times. Um, so it's only right that we, we probably give praise to, uh, to some who... Um, you deserve it, to be fair. So, um, yeah, it's uh, just, I mean, as, as I said at kind of top of the show, it's just just an incredible result, wasn't it? And I'm even kind of reluctant to, to start looking a little bit ahead to, to what, what's coming up and, and what it means, because we know there's some massive games on the horizon with Chelsea and City and Arsenal and, and obviously Bournemouth at the weekend. But um, i just encourage supporters and listeners to just enjoy today as much as possible, because... Um, You know, 7-0 against Manchester United doesn't happen every year, does it? Although Liverpool have made a good fist of it in in recent years. Um, Just an incredible couple of days for for Liverpool FC.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it, isn't it, Theo? For for the longer term, it it will raise confidence. It does give them a boost in terms of the top four race. But fundamentally, I'm sure the the players, if not the, the fans and everybody else, will just be relishing in it for as long as they can.
0: Yeah, they will. So one well, where we say it doesn't happen every year, but now you're thinking, oh, how much will you thrash them by next year? Just want to play them every week at this rate. Uh, they just happen to be all of a sudden this fixture that Liverpool get the best out of them from and United seem to crumble in. Uh, get the DVD out, get the T-shirts out, get the mugs out. I'm sure that the club shop or some of the fan accounts will be getting a, plenty of merchandise out of this one. I think I've already seen a few going around on social media like Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville's faces from this one. But yeah, it's a game that you a result. You just want to enjoy, and hopefully it can put Liverpool back on, I'm not going to say back on the right path, because they already seem to be on the right path, but it's one they can really build on in these final months of the campaign. Uh, We thought they'd turn the corner with those uh, couple of victories against Everton and Newcastle, and then there was that concern, what does Real Madrid do to this, this 5-2 humbling at Anfield, where their away fans are chanting or cheering every successful pass, well then less than two weeks later, Liverpool fans are doing the exact same thing to Manchester United, obviously there was concerns uh, in that Crystal Palace game, the nil-nil. Liverpool were lucky to get a point. But now, yeah, they've managed to get it out of their system. Klopp said he wasn't going to let Real Madrid impact their confidence too much. And it was about focusing on getting in the top four, squeezing every inch, ounce, whatever you want to call it, out of this season. And you'd back them to, uh, you were not really expecting them to maybe put seven past an Arsenal or a Man City in that mammoth week we're going to have after the international break. But you're now going into those games full of confidence. And I'm not going to put my neck on the line and say, oh, they're going to get the goals they need at the Bernabeu. But you'd imagine they're going to not collapse as much as they did in the second half there and at least put on a fight. It's hopefully going to be a really strong end of the season for Liverpool. We've been saying all year long, they just need to get players back from injury and turn that corner and they can finally kickstart the campaign. It's taken a little longer than we expected to the extent that they're not going to really win any trophies this year. But when we can say now with confidence, yes, I expect Liverpool to finish in the top four, when that is something that we thought was gone only a month ago, and that that shows how much they've turned it around in the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it, Kiefer, where if you lose 5-2, you say, well, it it was a one-off. You know, we we can't take too much of a confidence hit. But when you win 7-0, maybe it's one of those that you try and cling to and and use that as much as possible for the next few weeks. The only thing I'll say is you get an early goal at the Burnabout. Anything is possible. Um,
3: but I think exactly that is, you know, I think as, as historic as it is, I think the good, the good thing and, and, and certainly, the, you know, which with so many leaders in that dressing room and obviously the kind of figure Jurgen Klopp is, you will not allow the players to get too high. And at the same time, after the Real Madrid game, you will not have allowed them to get too low. There's, a, there's a kind of a nice balance in there. And, and to be fair, if you kind of, again, I'm sure United will probably be saying the same, if you probably look at the first half of the Real Madrid game and obviously the first half of yesterday, obviously they weren't 7-0 and, and, and 5-2 games. It's just obviously, you know, as as Klopp suggested, it's just a freak result, and, and that is football at times. But you know, certainly heading into, if you know, if you're looking at the the, the greater picture in, in terms of top four, which is obviously the the priority for this season, you know, obviously that does does massive massive confidence boost. But in terms of that that game in a few weeks, I mean, it's been a long time. It certainly feels like since since Liverpool really hammered a team in in that kind of manner, which it did in the, in the second half yesterday. You're probably looking at Rangers in October, and then obviously before that, probably probably Bournemouth um so you know if just to kind of have that you know everyone kind of free flowing in the in the final third obviously goals for Salah, goals for Nunes goals for Gakpo you know the midfield doing well Robertson getting forward again Trent getting forward obviously we, we you know laughing a joke and whatever but you know it just heading into that second leg it, it just you know I'm not trying to sell anyone a dream here but it just kind of it shows that if you know it's not it's not as dead as people think it is and and you know there's every chance that they could probably be you know lose a tie what. I know, 7-4 or 7-2 or, or something like that, which is, you know, perfectly fine. But just in the kind of the long term of what this does, you know, the goals are flowing again. And there's, there's so much... Matt, I can see your smile, smiling. you are slowly convinced yourself here. I, I, I'm really not. <laughs> I've slowly, slowly convinced myself that if they get one after about, you know, 15, 20 minutes and then they get one after half time, you know, all of a sudden if any club can exactly that that's the kind of that, that's the mentality isn't it and and you know I'm sure Real Madrid will be looking at that yesterday and I haven't I haven't looked at what what uh what the Spanish press is saying but I'm sure they'll be you know a bit skeptical of, of completely writing Liverpool off um but no and it, you know look if they do go and you know get hammered by Madrid again fine fair enough but it, like I said it just kind of the goal there was just so much to, to go off yesterday in terms of everything that you wanted to go right in terms of Gakpo, in terms of Nunes in terms of Salah in terms of Canarte, in terms of Van Dijk, in terms of Allison, in terms of Robinson, everything went right, and I just think that breeds massive confidence between now until the end of the season. And you know, if, if it if it helps them in Europe, so be it. If it doesn't, sound, but you know, I just think they needed that. They needed that after the last couple of weeks. You know, it's it's great kind of winning games that like they did against Everton and Newcastle in that kind of manner. And you can you can talk about baby steps, but that was a performance of like Liverpool at back, and you know, I, th- I think. You know, People heading to the burn around a couple of weeks will give them that bit of belief that they're not just going there to soak up the sun and have a few... You know, drinks or whatever, that there is actually a fighting chance. And that, that's all that's all I'll say on the
1: matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite so convinced as you are on that score. I don't think Real Madrid and Manchester United are really comparable, but it was quite simply a sensational afternoon for Liverpool. One to savour all week long, and we'll certainly be doing that in all of the usual places. Make sure you do continue to check out all of the content on the Liverpool Echo and Liverpool.com websites. Plenty more to come throughout the week from Blood Red as well. For now, though, I'm off to watch all of those seven goals back again. We'll catch you next time here on the Blood Red channel. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.